We are at the Biltmore Hotel in Los Angeles, California, downtown Los Angeles, California. It's February 27th, 1935. We're at the seventh annual Academy Awards honoring the films of 1934, and it's time for the big award of the night. The envelope, please. And the winner is It Happened One Night. Yay! Yay! Oh man, this is so great. So I'm welcome so back. Excited about this year. Welcome, welcome to the envelope, please. Uh, Sam here again. Rants over here. Sorry. Oh, I man. thought you were just gonna give give a whole like little bio. I could have. My. I I'll bio us both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is great. I feel like this is the actual first year of the Academy Awards. You know what I mean? Like the Academy Awards that we know and love today, this is kind of the first grand example of that. Yeah, this feels like the Oscars. This feels right. It it does feel right. And I think part of it's just because this is such like a, a, a slam dunk Best Picture winner. Absolutely. You know? like, it's a movie that has aged so well. It, it was great back then. It's great today. It and just works. It just works. Yeah, it's like Hollywood royalty. You know? It's, it's fantastic. Yes. And um, this year this year also <laughs> has uh, one of the, f- the first of three times that something happens. Um, yes. We have the... The Grand Slam of Oscars. Yes, where you have a sweep of the top five uh, awards, which are considered picture, director, actor, actress, and screenplay. Correct. Uh, now, I will say this about that term. Yeah. I understand in 1934 we still didn't have supporting actor categories. Yes. Would you still, if by today's standards, would you still consider the Grand Slam to be picture, director, actor, actress, screenplay? Because in my opinion, my top five, picture, director, actor, actress, supporting, supporting. So my, my would be a top six. Um, to me, I think the supporting actor categories sort of reign supreme over the writing categories. But that's also coming from me, an actor as well. So I just, I guess, have more respect in that way. I don't know. I don't know. I still think, I still think it would be, those would still be my top five. Um, because uh, I, I think the idea is that writing and directing are what, what service the good acting sure and i think that it's the acting directing and writing it's like that combination that's considered to be the way you make a great movie i would consider film editing to maybe be to be in there as well to be oh, the yeah, that's one. where the magic happens yeah definitely but with that said you know the top five this is what they consider the five yes. big awards um and, and it happened when supporting act, act categories up. didn't exist yet not, not every yet. movie also has um, some movie like this movie, uh, I, I can see, I think if the supporting categories had been around, I can see, uh, Walter Connolly who plays the father, right. I could see him getting a nomination. Uh, but there isn't really, uh, there isn't really a supporting actress. No, there's not contender in this cast. So, I mean, like, supporting... but imagine if like, like, let's say, uh, let's just talk about like uh, 1976, for example, when Network won um, three acting Oscars. Imagine if it had also won uh, picture director, writing, uh, writing as it well. It did win writing, so it did win writing. You're yeah, yeah. correct. So imagine if it had also swept the supportings as well. Like it, it didn't win supporting actor. Imagine if it had. 
Yeah, I mean... Do you know what I mean? Would that be, like, the the Grand Grand Slam? And it was nominated for supporting. It sure was, yeah. yeah. Um, that would have been that would have been the Grandy Grand Slam. The Grandy Grand Slam. <laughs> I'm waiting for a movie to do that. That will really impress me. That, get, oh, there's a three whole movies that have gotten this Grand Slam. <laughs> that is so basic. You never know. It can happen. I bet you people are wondering what the other two are. Should be so. Oh, that's true. We should. Yeah, yeah, so this was the first one in 1934. The second one was... It wasn't until 1975, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson, Louise Fletcher. Yep, and then we had uh, The Silence of the Lambs in 1991. Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, Jonathan Demme was the director. And that's a fun year, too, because that one was kind of a surprising grand slam. That was such a weird year for movies. Every single movie nominated for Best Picture that year was so different. Yeah, no, it's the only time, well, not the only time, the first time a cartoon was nominated for Best Picture with yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be a fun year to talk about when that we get there. But let's let's get right. back we're to way too ahead we're getting of ourselves. ourselves. <laughs> oh man, we want I people like to keep listening. Kind of a, that's the thing that we do. We can go off on tangents for hours. Yes. Yes. One year leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. Anyway, we're in 1934. So this is the first regular year we've had. This is the first year that we have that is not. Um, that is not uh, uh, like an overlap year. An overlap year. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, interesting in that yes. respect. We've established like an academy calendar now. Yeah, it's a regular calendar year. Yes. Um, and it's also um, the year, the first year we have film editing, original score, and original song as categories. Yeah. Um, it's the last time that there are all first-time nominees in the best actor category. Oh, sure. Um, first time Oscar nominees. Um, and it's also the last time this happens with the leading... Um, wait, hold on. As... Yeah. Uh, it's the last time this happens... <laughs> I, I was not... It's the last time it happens in the best actor category. And then... Um, that's the last time it happens in either category until the 43rd Academy Awards. Oh, okay. Um, and then I don't know if it ever happens again after that. You know? Probably not. This is also um, the the uh, first example of a movie winning every category it was nominated in. Yeah, uh, this it is... Well, night. except for Grand Hotel. Let's not forget oh Grand my gosh, Hotel right. did one go one for nomination. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, this went five for five. Five for five. It did. And again, like there's only a handful of movies to do that. Gigi went, what, nine for nine? Yeah, and then... Uh, Last em- No, no, no. Gigi went eight for eight. Last Emperor went nine for nine. And uh, um, Lord of the, of the Rings King, King went 11, 11 for 11. 11. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is, this is interesting in, in that respect as well. Um, this is also, uh, this also was a kind of a controversial year, uh, because of somebody who was not nominated. Oh, yes. Um, my, this is the first time we really get to talk about her. She's my favorite actress. (laughs) Oh, let's get into it. Uh, Betty Davis. Yes. Um, came to Hollywood in 1931 with a contract at Universal Studios who, uh, basically didn't care. Um, six months after she was there, she had made six movies. Yeah, and they had and no idea what to do with her. No idea, and she was going to leave and go back to New York. And then a man named George Arliss, who was a big actor of his day, one of the first Oscars for Best Oscar winner, Actor, yeah. um, he called her up as she was about to leave and said, um, I want you to make this movie uh, with me. 
because uh, he had seen her in something and he thought eh, she may have something and so he, she made this movie called the man who played god uh for first national pictures uh the first national pictures division of warner brothers because it was a dual company because of a merger anyway right really should have just said Technical. warner brothers yeah um <laughs> and so um after that movie happens, Warner Bros. puts her under contract. She starts makes making a lot of movies for WB. At this point in time, they would make you you'd make six or seven movies in a year, um, and uh, she isn't super happy with the out with the work she's getting right. at WB, and she really wants to play this role uh, of human bondage. Is the name of the movie Mildred? Is the name of the character? This Cockney, terrible despair Bickable woman. Awful, awful, uh, horrible woman. Um, she really wants to play her. Jack Warner thinks she's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally agrees to loan her out. She plays the part. It's a huge smash hit. Yes. Um, and her performance is widely praised. Um, being so daring for being such an unlikable character. That was um, part of it, too. Like Nobody wanted to play that role because... It was such a despicable person. Like uh, actresses didn't want to be perceived as this bad girl. They always wanted these uh, nice, soft, good girl images. And Betty was like, "I am not interested in that. I will play this role." And so she did. And um, I think uh, it's. I mean, at the time, there were only three nominees for best actress, so that certainly figures in. Um, but also because the movie was made for a studio other than the one she was under contract to mm-hmm. uh it wasn't like warner brothers was pushing her Correct. for a nomination and it's not like rko who the movie was made for had a stake in pushing her for the nomination so she um, didn't get a nomination so she didn't get a nomination and she was very upset as was most of the industry most of them were yeah and so there is this um huge controversy that led to the academy opening it up for write-in candidates Mm -hmm. to be eligible for oscars and so there was a huge write-in campaign for betty davis she ended up not winning apparently she came in Second or third. Right. But the funny thing is, um, everybody thought that she was going to win. So because much, of the controversy. Because of it, yeah. So much so that Claudette uh, Colbert didn't even come to the awards. She was like, I don't stand a chance for it happened one night. And she was about to get on a train. She was. To leave town. And... <laughs> I mean, it's back. lucky that it's lucky that Union Station is so close to the Biltmore Hotel. Very you true. know, <laughs> that's so true. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, because um, uh, they pulled her off the train when they found out she was going to be winning that night. Because once again, you at this point in time, the papers got the info on who was going to win before. Exactly. Before, so there was a tip off, and they went and grabbed. Claudette to be at the ceremony Absolutely. so she could give her a little speech on the radio. Very true. And very deserving. This is, It Happened One Night is just such a good movie. And I love this too because this is the first of only a handful of romantic comedies uh, that wins Best Picture. Yeah, I was thinking well. about that. Like, what what else is there? There's uh, Annie Hall. Annie Hall. Um, oh, I was reading a thing. Some people consider The Artist to be a romantic comedy. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, there's there's other movies that have elements, right? Like Shakespeare and Love. Shakespeare and Love, yeah. Sort of a romantic, yeah. It's kind of. A but romantic this comedy, is, I guess. but this is a true romantic comedy. This but is this like is a, yes, and like the first example of like a screwball comedy as well. Like without it happened one night, we wouldn't have these great romantic comedies of the 30s and 40s after it that we got, which kind of 
might, you know, I guess you could say like probably perfected the genre in years to come, but this is like where people pull a lot of those tropes yeah. from. Yeah, all the everything that you've seen with Julia Roberts and Meg Ryan in the 1990s, yes. all of that came from. From this from movie. From this movie. Yes. And, you know, the the movie you mentioned, how it's like a screwball comedy. You know, screwball comedies uh, came out of the 1930s, and they were commenting on the wealthier class mm-hmm. um, and making the wealthier people look like screwballs. Exactly. And uh, this one is an interesting movie in that it also, it's like a romantic comedy, but it has like an interesting commentary on what's going on in America at the time because you see the poorer side of life from the perspective of this rich heiress. Right. Played by Col- uh, Claudette, Claudette Colbert. She's an Should heiress Should we tell who... the plot? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. We can get into that. <laughs> She's an heiress who, uh, in like one of my favorite shots where she does a swan dive off the boat into the water. How extra. She basically runs away from home. Yes, by uh, jumping wants, off of her father's yacht. Right. She wants to be free. <laughs> she wants to live on her own. Uh, so while she Because she's... Uh, there's a guy. She's, right. She's, right. Right. She doesn't want to marry the guy. She does, Yeah. She wants to, to marry this dude. Yes. Um, who's a baron or something. I Right. Yes. That's right. Um, yeah, sorry. Anyway. Uh, so there's him. Let me... Actually, I'm going to give his name. Okay. Please do. Of the, of the other guy. Uh... Yes, we have a King. That's what his name is. His name is King Wesley. King Wesley. That's what it is. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's a pilot and a fortune hunter, and uh, she wants to marry him. Her father thinks he's a gold digger, so she jumps off. Right. She runs away. She runs away. Um, and on um, her journey, um, on her runaway, she bumps into Clark Gable, yes. who is a reporter looking for a story. They're on the same bus. On the same bus. She's go- trying to go up to New York. From like Florida, yeah, wherever they are. Yeah, and uh, and she bumps into him. Correct. And they're and so here's Clark Gable. He's like, ooh, I recognize her. I could get this story, mm-hmm. but I don't want her to know that I'm a reporter. So he kind of goes undercover as this other guy, and basically, um, oh, but there's a reward to get her back. Yes, that's what it is. So he's gonna get her back. Yes. Uh, to get the reward. But of course, they eventually they fall in love. Uh, and then when they get back, he turns down the reward. So she's like, oh, he loves me, not my money. So then they get married. Yes. Your typical thing. I mean, it's essentially, this is also essentially Roman holiday. Is it not? <laughs> well, I mean, except for the end. <laughs> except for the end. True, 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 true. True, true, true. But, but again, like a lot of the same like plot, the setup is very, very similar. Yeah, it's a reporter out for a story. Correct. With, a, with an heiress. With a wealthy heiress. And it's... I mean, it's 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 like tough to understate how delightful this movie is. It's just so fun. It's just such a good, and it's like the movie that really made Clark Gable a humongous star as well. Interesting facts: mm-hmm. there's that scene where he's taking off his shirt. Yeah, um, and he was struggling because he couldn't take off his shirt and his undershirts. Uh, while saying the line and trying to look like sexy, essentially. So he decided, I'm not going to have an undershirt. So he takes off his shirt, he's bare-chested. And legend has it Mm -hmm. that undershirt sales plummeted because of that. They're like, Clark Gable doesn't wear an undershirt. I don't need an undershirt. (laughs) I think that's hilarious. Definitely all the gay guys in America stopped at that point. Oh, yeah. You know. Um, this This movie has so many classic little bits uh, speaking of Clark Gable, mm-hmm. uh, there's a p- 
point uh, during the probably the most famous scene in the movie when they're hitchhiking, um, he uh, is eating a carrot. Yes, and this is that the way he does it is the inspiration for Bugs Bunny. Yes, and um, also like there's um his uh, buddy refers to him as Duck. Yeah, a lot throughout the film. What's up, Doc? And he's What's... eating the carrots. It's like because Bugs Bunny came out what six years after this movie was released. So yeah, so. Think, Again, legend has it. It's uh, the connection. They, yeah, they pulled characterizations from Clark Gable. Um, so on their journey up, you know, they're they're staying at these uh, like auto camp motels, and they're uh, you know sleeping on the bus, and they're sleeping in the middle of a field, and they're right. doing all these things. But whenever they stay at these little motels, um, he puts up. Uh, he puts up a sheet between them and Correct. he calls it the walls of Jericho. Correct. And it's it's like and like the way that's handled is so classic. But very true. I mean, yeah, they, they gotta be decent, you know. They gotta be They're not married. They have a conversation about how you're supposed to dunk a donut. You yeah. Know, they, it is, it's very sweet. Like you see their love develop uh through this very wild um, almost like a cross country. It's like the first road trip movie too. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind there's of a, a lot going on. Yeah, it's like a, another trope for films too. The the road trip movie. And don't for and I mentioned the hitchhiking scene. That's the other thing that I just. It's it's like one of the best segments in movie history. I think. yes. Um, I'll get us a cab and I won't use my thumb. <laughs> so basically, the setup is uh, Clark Gable. Uh, is gonna get them a ride so that they don't have to walk anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's like, I, I'm gonna write a book one day on hitchhiking. I'm the expert. <laughs> and he shows her all the different ways. She's just looking at him with like the most sarcasm. Typical macho man. T- typical macho man. And he can't do it. And then, of course, she's able to do it in one. Yes. In one attempt. What a class lady. She pulls up her skirt, <laughs> reveals her leg, and just like that, a car stops. I heard it was a stunt leg. I hear it's It not. was. Well, because Claudette Colbert didn't want to do it. She was like, I don't want to do this. So they got her a stunt leg. <laughs> like some other actress to be her leg. And when she saw the leg, she said, that is not my leg. I won't <laughs> do it. She also, uh, legend has, I should say legend has it. It's just, Lots it's of legend fact. has it. A lot of legend on this movie. Um... But she, well, both her and Clark Gable hated making this movie. They thought it was going to be the worst movie of all time. And yeah. Claudette Colbert gave uh, Frank Capra so much shit on set. Mm-hmm. She was so difficult. Uh, and it was only a four-week filming process as well. And yeah, she it was, was a paid, quick shoot. She was paid double her regular salary to do it because they wanted her to do it um, in that four weeks uh, that she had off yeah. from her own studio. So crazy. Yeah, and Clark Gable, um, this was like, like he had been doing something at MGM that Louis Mayer was like, okay, you need to be punished. And his right. punishment was to be loaned out to Columbia to make this movie. And the reason it was a punishment is because at the time, uh, Columbia was not one of the major studios. So right. going over to Columbia was like considered slumming it, mm-hmm. basically. Because um, basically, Claudette Colbert... Frank Capra were the only things they had at Columbia that were worth anything exactly. at the time. Exactly. But also, funnily enough, Claudette Colbert and Clark Gable were not the first choices uh, to play these parts. Yeah. They, who did they? They originally wanted, um, oh, they wanted George Montgomery. And they wanted like Myrna Loy, uh, Betty Davis, or Miriam Hopkins. Uh, Miriam Hopkins, I think, was the first choice to play mm-hmm. the Claudette Colbert role. 
but a lot of these earlier actors read the script and hated it. Yeah. And it was they hated it so much, actually. So many actors hated it that Frank Capra sought help from another writing partner mm-hmm. to, like, uh, update the script and make it, you know, probably what it is today. Well, Who later became his uh, typical writing partner. Yeah, Robert Riskin. Robert who, Riskin, there you go. He would go yes. on to be the writer for a lot. A uh, lot of Capra's Capra. more famous movies. Yeah, no. Um, so uh, the movie, yeah, didn't, as a result, obviously, the movie did not was not budgeted very high. Mm-mm. I'm reading the budget was $325,000. Um, and it ended up making uh, $2.5 in its yes. initial release. But not right away. It didn't do very well in the early, the first... Um, like a theatrical release. It was then released to like B-movie theaters where it became a huge hit. Yeah, people discovered it. Yes, because people in like middle America kind of responded to this storyline whereas yeah. like the upper class Hollywood elites were like, eh, yeah, it's whatever. a comedy, whatever. Whatever. You yeah, know? no, this was, uh, it's interesting. It was one of those movies that kind of caught on after a while and it's released like a full year before the <laughs> ceremony um, which is, you know, a little unusual because usually it's the ones closer to yes. the ceremony that win. Yes, um, and that happens sometimes, which is very interesting. Like when a February, not I should say February, like a March or April release movie. Signs of the Lambs. Signs of the Lambs, another one of them, yeah. yeah. Um, when it ends up actually, or Crash, another one of them too, ends up winning the best picture. <laughs> we'll, we'll get that one we'll get the a crash. little. <laughs> um, February uh, 22nd, 1934 is when this come out. The, th- the thing that's interesting about 1934 also, halfway through 1934 is when the production code goes into strict effect. Right. So this is one of the few movies, this was a movie that is that is a pre-code. It is. Uh, it comes out just a few months before the code goes into play. There's nothing really about this movie that probably would have been really censored. I know. I was trying to think about it. I actually always thought that this movie came out after The Code, which is why they had scenes like The Walls of Jericho. Um, no, those I think, kinds of like heavily alluding to sexual like yeah, um, yeah, yeah. intentions, but not really saying it. I think this may have just been like a movie that was made with a family-friendly... Uh, viewpoint. Sure, they kind of had that. Yeah, I guess that's true. They wanted people to see it. Um, yeah. Although I will say in the very end when the walls of Jericho come down, and what is it? Like, in the very last shot, you can totally tell they're absolutely boning. Because uh, oh, it's their wedding night. It's their wedding night and uh, they, they uh, he gets a trumpet the walls come down, and yes, you just see is. him play the trumpet. The walls go down, and it's the end. The end. <laughs> he finally um, gets it in. Yeah, no, this is. Uh, it's just like such a. It's just such a good movie. It is such a good movie. It, um, it's pretty perfect, actually. Yeah, and again, like it's a wonderful runtime. You know, I feel like I talk about that a lot, just because I just don't think movies need to be so. Long. Yeah, this one's 105 minutes. So perfect. It's, it's a perfect length. <laughs> that's perfect. That's maybe why I didn't hate Cavalcade last week. It was also under two long. hours. And you that's know? the thing. Yeah, it's like if a movie is, you know, if we're if it's considered an epic film covering a long period of time, um, as long as it keeps moving and can still do it in like two hours or less, like then I'm gonna stay with you because I want to keep following. There's no like dead space. You yeah. know, there's there's nothing that could be edited out. Yeah, no, this is this is a perfect length it of is. a movie. This is a, it's honestly, I, I highly recommend it. I, I think oh, everybody should watch this at some it. point in time. It'll, you'll just be so happy. This is actually one of the first DVDs I ever bought. 
uh, back before like I had things like Netflix, and you know you could before I even had the internet. We used to purchase. <laughs> purchase yes, DVDs I had and to go out and buy these old classic DVDs. This was one of the first ones that I bought back in high school uh, and I watched it. I watched it, it. I I watched it with my mom. It. Oh, that's great. I watched it alone. My <laughs> my mom, my mom loves this movie. She uh, apparently there was a theater in at their college. They went to Baylor University Ooh. in Waco, Texas. Um, and uh, they apparently would play movies at this theater on campus or whatever and she went to this one and she didn't think she liked like even then like oh black and white old movies you know? oh like, sure and then she saw this one and, and it, it started her on her classic film journey because she liked it so much oh my. and then she showed it to me when when i was a little older that's amazing isn't that sweet that's so um, sweet this is anyways that was the watch with people this is this is a good movie and also like you should probably like let's say you've just started dating someone sure um and you're like i think i like this person Show them this movie, see their reaction, and you know that if they don't like it, it is, you have to dump them on the spot. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. This isn't going to work for me. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can like picture that conversation. Oh my gosh, what did you think of the movie? Oh, stupid black and white. Well, there's the door. You can leave. <laughs> leave right this now. This person does not have a heart. So you... So true. You can just push them out. Um... Uh, a couple more notes about the 1934 Oscars in 1935. Yes. <laughs> That'll be the only confusing thing from here on out. True. Um, Shirley Temple won the first Juvenile Award the this year. The Oscar. Which is a miniature Oscar that was given out sporadically mm-hmm. uh, for the for the next like 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shirley Temple won it this year around. Uh, and... Uh, and then she asked her mother if she can go home now after she's won it. She did. Um, but uh, Shirley Temple uh, saved Fox Studios. Yeah. She is credited with saving the studio, which merged um, around this time with 20th Century to become 20th Century Fox. And they were in horrible financial condition. And it was the Shirley Temple movies that essentially made them make money again. Yep be the first of many times you'd hear about Fox almost going under. Very true. <laughs> because, uh, I mean, it almost happens again with Cleopatra in the, oh my goodness. In the 60s. And now <laughs> they don't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> correct. Absolutely correct. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, yeah, and I feel like this was also... Um, what else was nominated this year? We've oh, got. We haven't looked at the nominees, have we? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Jeepers! We got twelve nominees this year. Oh, this was the year of the Thin Man too. Let's I let's, love the Thin Man. Go ahead. What are you saying? Let's go through these. Okay, let's real do it. quick. We'll get to, and I'll say the Thin Man last because sure. I feel like that's probably what we'll say the most about. Um, uh, Barretts of Wimple Street. I've actually seen. Ooh, which is also interesting too. I was reading about. Uh, I haven't seen it, but this also starred uh, Charles Lawton. Uh, and yes. Norma Shearer, right? Norma Shearer was nominated for Best Actress, didn't yes. win. Uh, but Charles Lawton was also another... Um, he was in the movie, and everyone thought he was going to win as well, but he wasn't even nominated. Yeah, no, and having seen it, uh, it's fine. Clark Gable deserves this one. Okay, fair so. enough then. Because I had heard that people were kind of up in arms, like, oh yeah, Betty Davis, she deserves a write-in uh, nomination, but so should Charles Lawton. Yeah. Um... But it's it's a, it's a good movie. It's not uh, it's not a happen one night though. Sure. Like a, and Cleopatra, I've also seen. 
Uh, also stars Claudette Colbert. Right! Oh man, that's so true. This is a really good year for Claudette Colbert. Very true. You know what's crazy? Claudette Colbert once said that she hated to be filmed uh, from the left side. She hated the left side of her face so much that she would sometimes paint it. She yeah. put some like paint on her cheeks so they wouldn't film her from that side. Yeah, no. And what if a diva! You, if you start, if you watch some Claudette Colbert movies, you'll notice you're only seeing one side of her face. Uh huh. Ninety five percent of the time. Isn't that it's, crazy? She was so insecure about the left side of her face. And if you see the other side, it's usually it's not in a close up. It's usually yes, like in a long at least shot. a medium. Yeah. Um, a movie called Flirtation Walk. I actually I don't know that one. Nope. Um, Gay Divorcee, which is uh, the second uh, Fred and Ginger movie. Yeah, yes. there we go. Um, so Fred and Ginger start becoming a big thing around this point in time. Here comes the Navy. Uh, and there they go. And then here comes the House of Rothschild. <laughs> um, and then we have Imitation of Life, later remade in the yes, 50s. This is the first version of first Imitation version of Life. First version with... Claudette Colbert. Right. What? That's also probably why she did win the Oscar. She had a really she had good a year. Big year. She had three huge movies. Yeah. Uh One Night of Love. Um then Via Via. No idea what that is. That's right, right? Viva Via. Viva Via. There it is. Viva Vila, yeah. Um which okay. is I mean Selznick produced it, so um, and then the White Parade, uh, which uh, sounds, sounds yikes, very which controversial like for today. It would be really popular in certain sections of the oh country. My goodness. Um, but the Thin Man, I'd say, is the the next best remembered movie on this list. Oh yeah, um, that's where we get the amazing pairing of William Powell and Myrna Loy, and Myrna Loy also not nominated for not the Thin nominated, Man. but William Powell was. William Powell was. Um, um, and Myrna Loy is just as good in that, I mean, not just this movie, but the entire Thin Man series. Yeah, I think she, if there had been five nominees, like surely. She would have been in there. She would have been in there. Myrna Loy her. was never nominated. Never. She did win an honorary award in the 90s. Sure. And that makes sense. But I mean, oh my gosh, they had so many chances to nominate her. This would be, I mean, yeah, I think you hit it on the head there. I think if this had been open to five nominees, we could have been included. Um, Betty, Davis. Betty Davis and Myrna Loy. I think yeah. those would have been the two that would have gone into the category with William the Powell also never wins an Oscar, but he is nominated a couple of times. A couple more times, um, yeah. Like, in a row, too, I feel like. Um, he'll be nominated for My Man Godfrey. And Great in a Ziegfeld. Couple of year, and Great Ziegfeld. And he, I think, is nominated... Again, yes, life with father, life with father yes. in the forties. Um, he is uh, consistently amazing, so good, charming, very comparable to like David Niven. I feel like those two are very, very David similar, like uh, which they that gave charm. David Niven an Oscar. They could have given. They could have. <laughs> David Niven wins for like one of the shortest performances. Yeah. Um, anyway, William Powell, Thin Man. Yeah, Thin Man great movie. is a crime-solving couple. Yeah, it's such a fun, like, it's a husband and wife who solve Nick crime. and Nora, Charles. Yeah, and they're they have a dog. They're so adorable Asa. together. They're, they just, like, are such a modern chemistry. Like, the way they interact with each other, yeah. it's just very subtle and very cute. Very endearing. Very endearing. Yeah. And The Thin Man, interestingly, is another movie kind of like It Happened One Night, which was not gonna be, like, it wasn't supposed to be a big movie. It was made um, in like two weeks, and like uh, a surprising hit. Yeah, they made it in. They made it in like literally two weeks, 
and Russian crazy. theaters, and it ended up being this huge hit. And they were like, oh. That's crazy. Okay. Didn't see that coming. Um, so that also got a Best Director nomination as well for W.S. Van Dyke. Right. Who it was known as One Take Woody. One Take Woody. Yeah. Um, he always thought also the first take my was nickname, the best. but for a different. <laughs> uh, I have heard that. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of directors who kind of feel like your first take is your best. Clint Eastwood being another one too. They don't like to do a lot of takes. It's no you know, Clint Eastwood is also like that. Frank Capra uh, is gonna come back for the Academy on a few occasions. We are gonna see his name again. Uh, sure will, but he doesn't win again. No, he does. Does he? He wins for You Can't Take It With You. Does he really? Yeah. I thought he was only nominated for that. No, he was. He won. Oh my goodness. Well, good. he sure did. Good for you. Um, um, I'm really disappointed in you. I'm that. disappointed in myself as well. <laughs> Yikes. That's quite an oversight. Yeah, he sure does. That is embarrassing. I think he's in, yeah. I, think, I don't think it clicks in my head because, you know, I don't think You Can't Take It With You is not a, one of Capra's more famous movies. You know, I feel like, yes, it did win Best Picture, but I feel like if we're thinking Frank Capra, I think it happened one night. I think Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I think it's a wonderful it's life. It's a wonderful life. You know, these are the, the big Capra films. You Can't Take It With You for Me kind of falls through the cracks. Yeah, I don't think, uh, we'll get to You Can't Take It we With will. You. And in a couple of years. I don't think that it's, uh, it's definitely not in my, uh, it's, I, 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 it's, when we talk about 1938, it probably won't be the movie I have winning. In right, right, right. Oh, certainly not. We're definitely um, getting into um, years now where we're going to have much high, uh, much more opinions on which movie should win Best Picture and which one should not. Yeah, and I don't... Uh, I will say for 1934, though, it mm-hmm. happened one night. I love The Thin Man. Yes. I think it happened one night's the right decision. Absolutely. This is just like the perfect example of a romantic comedy done well under circumstances that, like, this shouldn't have been a successful movie. I love so when that happens. So many times that happens, though. I love that. It's, it's unexpected. always a surprise. Yeah. It just goes to show you that, like, the more Hollywood does actually take chances with projects and uh, casting, it usually can, uh, you know, amount to a really, really well-made movie. Yeah. And this is... It's excellent. I highly recommend it. Highly You'll recommend love it. it. Definitely watch it. If you haven't it. seen it. Yes. We've spoiled the entire plot if you haven't seen it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But. But also, like, I feel like this is also the a movie journey. where, like, yes, you watch this movie, you know exactly what's going to happen. You know, there's there aren't surprises and twists in this movie. It's yeah. a very by-the-numbers romantic comedy because it kind of invented the it, plot for it. The formula. Definitely. The formula comes from this movie. And it's so well done. Definitely give it a watch. Yeah. Um, all right, what are we getting into next week? Next week, uh, the Academy Award winner for 1935 is Mutiny on the Bounty. Have you seen this one? I have not, actually. I have either. Um, it's, uh, it has your guy in it, though. You love yourself some Charles Lawton. I love Charles Lawton. Yeah, I haven't seen this one. This we also have Clark Gable again. Again. And uh, Fran Chaton, who was married to Joan Crawford. Joni. Um, at the time at the time yeah so this is uh, this is going to be getting into uh, we're going back to MGM for this one this is an MGM best picture winner yeah Uh, big grand scale epic adventure I'm ready for it I feel like uh, I don't know I feel like also this is uh, Moon in the Bounty is one of the years where it has multiple acting nominees three of them were nominated for best actor 
So I'm guessing there's going to be at least one performance I can cling on to in this movie to <laughs> get yes. me through it, you know? And then the one who wasn't. There's four nominees, right? Right, there are four nominees that year. And, and the <laughs> one who's not from Media on the Bounty wins. <laughs> exactly. It's very similar to like 1972 when there were three nominees for Supporting Actor for The Godfather and then Jules Grey wins for Cabaret. <laughs> like, Which sorry. is totally fine. I'm totally oh okay God, with that. More than fine. Plus, you know, he's he's family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, we didn't know it when he won, but we know we now. We didn't know it. We sure do. Good Jennifer Grey threw in like a little bit of a wild card. We're like, wait, are you? Are you maybe? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. What's this kid doing here? Yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, tune in next week, guys. We'll be talking about the 1935 ceremony.